0: by the Spirit take root grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains help us Lord to get revelation tonight we thank you Lord for it in Jesus mighty name we pray amen all right I'm gonna go ahead this is final prophecy number 29 and it's about the land of Israel and I'm gonna deal with some things you probably did not ever hear preached before so I believe this will really help you all right some people might ask why Israel why is Israel significant what's the deal I hope by the time i finish this sermon you'll understand god had to find a people he had to find someone that through abraham he found abraham that through him he could bring forth to the world what we have today the bible uh, the prophets and ultimately the messiah he had to find a way to get into the earth what he needed to get into so that we could be saved okay and so he found abraham and from him Uh, created a nation and through that nation he brought these this into the world so anyway acts 321 it says that heaven must receive jesus until the time comes for god to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets think about this for a minute i want everybody to please hear some of these things i'm going to say tonight did you know that satan has stolen so much from the church world did y'all realize that Did you know back during the dark ages when the catholic church kind of reigned supreme that a lot of things were stolen a lot of things were lost that god had invested in the early church and i believe that the lord is in the process of seeing before jesus comes all things being restored back so part of that i want you to think about it for a minute we know we can read the bible we know we read the book of acts okay and we get an idea when we read the life of christ and then the book of acts we see how jesus's life was we see how he discipled his disciples his apostles and then how they planted that church in jerusalem which came straight from christ and we see how that church was it was a church of the miraculous the power of god supernatural harvest angels appearing major healings and miracles deliverances it was phenomenal and also the Hebrew roots and we look at this and we see that we see a pattern there and then we look at the typical church life in America today just a typical church and you and I both know that there's almost no similarity am I telling the truth Are y'all catching this tonight there's almost no similarity between what you read in the book of Acts and what you see in a lot of typical churches today would anybody disagree with that And so god is in the process of a restoration of bringing back all the things that have been stolen over the years by the devil that has caused this church to emerge that is powerless that doesn't have what the early church had and so part of that is the hebrew roots and i'm going to be dealing with that some today okay everybody say restoration That's what God is doing, and I believe that's why in these last days we're having a great understanding about our Hebrew roots because it's being restored. It's something that the devil stole. All right, so when I talk about Israel, I'm talking about the nation that descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? It appears that the word Israel appears over 2,500 times in the Old Testament and 79 times in the New Testament. Israel is never described as the church. But it's always described as the nation of israel why is that significant because the catholic church and a lot of protestant churches have believed in replacement theology where the church has replaced israel which is not true and so when israel rejected christ as their messiah the gospel went to the gentiles and then they were engrafted into the roots of abraham into the roots of israel we all know this we're all familiar with this right there's the root system that goes back to abraham and the unbelieving Jews were broken off that olive tree, and the Gentiles were engrafted in. And now there's this olive tree of both Jew and Gentile in Christ, but the root system goes back to Abraham. All right, you Israel is unique among the nations. First Chronicles seventeen, twenty one, who is like the people of Israel, the one nation on earth that God has redeemed and driven out their enemies from before them. Did you know there's no other nation that has a covenant with God? did you know that I know a lot of people think well God has blessed America he has but America does not have a covenant with God only Israel Israel is the only nation that God has chosen out from all the other nations of the world that have ever been or that are today he chose them out to make Israel his dwelling place Exodus 19 verse 6 at Mount Sinai God called them as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation No other nation has God called unto Himself. When God appeared to them at Mount Sinai, and the place shook, and He revealed Himself to Israel, and He called them unto Himself, most of Israel was scared to death, but there was a remnant, Moses, and about 70 elders that actually went up the mountain, and it says in the Bible they saw God and ate and drank. So I'm just saying that God revealed Himself to Israel, and there's no other nation that God has ever appeared to like that. I'm talking about a, a nation, a secular nation. Romans nine four through five to whom the adoption, God adopted them as a nation. The law was given to Israel. The priesthood, the prophets, the Messiah. Do you guys remember reading in Revelation where it says that the woman was she was she was clothed, uh, she had the stars around her. She was pregnant. Remember this, and the dragon Satan stood in front of the woman to devour the child. The woman is Israel, and it was through that woman through Israel that the messiah was birthed into the world you just think about it like this god the father married himself to israel at sinai from that marriage relationship came it's like israel was like a womb okay i want everybody to follow me israel was like a womb and because god married himself to israel through that relationship Israel became like a woman giving birth and through the womb of Israel came the law, the prophets, the tabernacle, the priesthood, ultimately the Messiah. But every spiritual blessing that we have today came through Israel. It was that relationship of God the Father with Israel and the womb of Israel bringing it forth into the world. Now that the Messiah has come, Jesus is marrying himself to the church, which ultimately when i refer to the church i'm talking about his bride there's a lot of people that may go to church that aren't really christ's bride amen and we're not going to know the difference until we get on the other side of this because the wheat and tares all look alike but nonetheless jesus has a remnant and jesus the son of god has married himself to the church but god the father has married himself to the nation of israel And Jesus said this whenever he was talking to the woman at the well. He said, uh, she said, look, us Samaritans, the Samaritans were half Jewish, half Gentile. She said, us Samaritans worship here and all this. And Jesus, he wasn't belittling or anything. He just mentioned to her, he said, listen, you Samaritans worship what you really don't fully understand. But he said, us Jews do understand. We understand what we worship. And he said, salvation comes from the Jews. And he told her that so don't forget that salvation came from israel from the jewish people to the whole world through christ in revelation 5 5 when jesus walked the earth in sandals okay wearing his tallit and his jewish beard and all of that jesus walked the earth as a jew he lived as a jew so every friday night Sabbath it's called Shabbat in Hebrew every Friday night his family he grew up that they would set apart that I'm sure they lit the candles like they do now and they set apart the day as holy unto God and they would go to synagogue and he would listen to the Torah read and sing the songs they kept the feast and and his mother made sure that on the eighth day he was circumcised and everything that was Jewish so listen Jesus when he raised from the dead he didn't raise from the dead and somehow morph into a gentile He raised from the dead Jewish and he right now in Revelation 5 5. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah He is the risen Jewish Messiah and one day that lion will roar Over Israel and against their enemies and let's just say woe to those when he is aroused to war and the Lion of Judah roars, and he's aroused to warfare and comes against the enemies of Israel. Woe to the enemies of Israel, because they will be massacred. So without Israel, we would not have the patriarchs, the Bible, the Messiah, all our spiritual blessings. We wouldn't have any of it today. And the church has persecuted Israel by and large for the last 2,000 years, which is an atrocity. It's horrible to read the history of how professing Christians have persecuted the jewish people down through the last two thousand years all right the next point i want to make here israel's history was foretold there's no other nation that god consistently said i'm going to do this he prophesied it in advance and then he fulfilled those prophecies there's no other nation that god has done this with i'm not saying that there hasn't been prophets have a word for for a nation or whatever but this i'm talking about god himself saying i am going to do this 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 and this about israel and then he did it exactly the way he said he was going to do it why because it's out of covenant but look at this we can see that israel it was prophesied to abraham directly god made a covenant with him but he told him he said in genesis 15 that israel would return back to the land one day but he said they would first be enslaved In Egypt, they would be enslaved, okay? Then they would be delivered with wealth. That they would possess the land of Canaan. That they would turn to idolatry in the promised land. (laughs) That they would, that Jerusalem would be the center of worship. That the northern kingdom would be taken captive. Hosea prophesied that. Then it was prophesied the southern kingdom would be taken captive remember Jeremiah the weeping prophet they were taken captive in Babylon it was prophesied that Solomon's temple would be destroyed and it was it was prophesied that God would raise up a man by the name of Cyrus and there would be a remnant that would come out of Babylon 70 years later and that was fulfilled It was prophesied that there would be a destruction of the second temple, the temple when Jesus was walking amongst the temple, okay? That that temple would be destroyed. Jesus prophesied it, and it happened in 70 AD. It was prophesied that they would be scattered among the nations, and that was fulfilled. It was prophesied that they would endure persecution among the Gentiles, and they really have, haven't they? And that they would be regathered from among the nations back to their homeland. (laughs) All of this was prophesied in advance and then God made sure every bit of it happened. So any logical person, even somebody that doesn't believe in the supernatural, has got to come to the conclusion that well, if 13 out of the 17 listed here happen, probably the last four is going to happen too really you could add another one you could add an 18th if you guys are taking notes and say that the temple will be rebuilt I should have put that in there but here's the remaining prophecies that are about to happen there's going to be a false Messiah called the Antichrist that will appear we haven't seen that yet the gathering of all the nations against Jerusalem in war that has not happened yet not all of them a spiritual awakening will take place in Israel that hasn't fully happened yet we're seeing the little raindrops trickling down which I'll talk about later and the Messiah ultimately this is the very end okay and you could add in there I'm sorry the temple's gonna be rebuilt if you want to add that that's in Daniel he prophesies it okay but the last one number 17 is this that the Messiah will return physically to israel one day and set up his kingdom so if we see that all these prophecies have pretty much happened we know that these last remaining ones will as well okay so this is god's covenant with israel and prophecies that have happened now let's talk just a little bit about history and what's coming there will be a peace pact that will be made with the antichrist at some point israel whoever the um, prime minister is, whether it's Netanyahu or whatever, they're going to make some kind of a peace treaty with the Antichrist, and it's going to be a major mistake. When they sign documents or whatever happens, and they say, we come into agreement with this peace treaty, and they sign it, and it's stamped, and it's done, that's going to begin the days of Jacob's trouble. Now, God's plan for Israel, right now, it's mistakenly called Palestine. That is not the name that God gave it. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? God doesn't call that land Palestine. God calls that land Israel. That's not politically correct. I don't really care. That's what the Bible says. Amen. What happened was under Roman rule in 70 A.D. Uh, Titus and Vespasian came in and they destroyed the temple. Remember, they pulled every stone off another. Another around what 65 years later, there was a, a general. I'm sorry, um, a leader, a Roman leader named Hadrian in 135 AD that slaughtered thousands of Jews what happened was the Jewish people kept revolting and they kept doing guerrilla warfare and coming against the Romans and Hadrian just really turned against the Jews and hated them. he really did so first God allowed their temple to be destroyed but Hadrian now hated the Jews he made it illegal for there to be any Torah reading any going to synagogue circumcision keeping the Sabbath any of that any Jewish customs were illegal his goal was to Hellenize the Jews which means to make them into little Greeks and he scattered them among the nations he came in with his military slaughtered them and he scattered them out fulfilling prophecy to the nations okay they fled to over around 81 countries the guy that was leading the jewish people in these revolts was a false messiah named bar Kokhba, which means the son of the star he was a false messiah and he was rallying the jews to come against hadrian didn't didn't jesus say that there would come false messiahs yeah Bar Kokhba was one of them he was he was a false messiah that was leading the jews and they they were scattered so i want you to remember this first god destroyed their temple Then he scattered them to the nations. Now, what happened in the last days is God has flip-flopped that. Now, he's regathering them to the nations and ultimately to rebuild the temple. See what I'm saying? So the land of Israel through the centuries, from 70 AD to 800 AD, the Romans ruled. Everybody watch. The Romans had it. Then from 800 to 1099, the Arabs had it. That's number two. Then the Catholic Crusaders took it in 1188. That's number three to possess it. Then Egypt conquered it and ruled it till 1517. That's number four. Then the Turks, the Ottoman Empire, ruled it for 400 years. That's number five. Then England conquered it. Is everybody listening to me? England conquered it. Britain had it under General Allenby. That's number six. And they made the way. This isn't in your notes. Just listen. They made the way for Israel to possess it through the Balfour Declaration, which Israel was number seven. Tell me that that wasn't God's perfect will right there. Listen, when God scattered them, he made sure that they were gonna take it back as the seventh possession. It was all in God's timing and his plans, amen? God's faithfulness to that land God, listen i don't have a lot of this stuff in your notes because it'd be too long just y'all just listen to me okay but god's faithfulness to that land he put his name and his love on the land of israel in genesis 17:7 seven through 7 through 8 sorry psalm 105 verse 7 god's plan for that land an everlasting covenant that he swore by himself that he would give that land to abraham and his descendants you have to understand something When people are trying to come against that land and take it out of the hands of the Jews, they're not really coming against the Jews, they're coming against God. Because God swore by himself, because there's none greater, that he would give it to Abraham and those descendants. And that's it. God calls that land, as I mentioned before, Israel. Hadrian named it Palestine because he wanted to name it something that resembled the Philistines. Because he hated Israel he hated the jews and god brought them back and i'm just going to tell you that the devil and every other leader of every other nation whatever military is not going to be able to uproot them they're there to stay until jesus comes i'm just telling you everybody it says that they're going to be a cup of trembling and everybody tries to mess with them is going to be knocked back reeling That's what it said. Everybody that tries to mess with them, they're going to be knocked back reeling because God's going to defend them. You know why the IDF, in my opinion, is the most powerful military on the world? It's certainly not because of their skills and that all of them are just all massive warriors. No, because God fights for them. And because God fights for the IDF, ain't nobody going to beat them. I'm just telling you. And what's interesting is when it came time for God to fulfill these prophets, you got to understand, to me, this really shook me up when I saw this. When it came time for these prophecies to be fulfilled, it was so radically powerful that the earth was shaken by the power of God. Did you know when it came time for that land to move from the sixth possession of it, the Brits had it, to coming under Israel's control, when that happened, Number one was World War I. And it broke the power of the Turks off that land so that ultimately Israel could get it. Think about that. World War broke open the land. Think about the fact that the world shook with war when that prophecy was about to be fulfilled. Does anybody else see what I'm saying here? Then God um, wanted the Jews now to go back to their homeland and World War II. Once again, the world shook with war when it was time for God to fulfill that prophecy that they would go back, what's called the Aliyah, to go back to the homeland. Isn't that something? Don't tell me God's word isn't powerful. Don't tell me prophecy isn't powerful. It shakes the world. So in World War I, here's what happened. There was a Jew by the name of Dr. Wiseman that created the weapon TNT, and he gave it to Lord George, the prime minister, and Lord George said well what can I do for you because this is going to give us victory in the war and he said my people the Jewish people don't have a homeland just give us a homeland and Lord George said I'll do it out of that came the Balfour Declaration General Allenby took the land and allowed the Jews to to start going back but listen after Lord George told them you could have the land he turned on them and at that time Britain was the world's superpower of that time it was said about Britain the Sun never set on Britain because it it conquered so much of the world after they turned on Israel Britain has been going down ever since and once Lord George turned on them they were trying to get back to their homeland and they were floating in boats and, and Britain wouldn't let them go through their waters but anyway the land was freed up listen to this because of that TNT that Dr. Wiseman had made, General Allenby of the British of the British military, he took planes and just had them circle over Israel. And the Arabs and those that were there, the, the Turks, they were so scared because they heard about that TNT. <laughs> they were so scared that TNT was just going to rain down on them that they all fled. And General Allenby took the land without firing a shot. This happened on December 9th, 1917. It fulfilled a prophecy in Haggai. And also Isaiah 35, verse 1. It says, as birds flying, God said, I would deliver them. And uh, it fulfilled that prophecy. It's amazing. God said, I'll bring them back. We know that the wealthy Jews like Rothschild bought up some of the land and allowed them to start moving back. All right, got to skip some of this. This will all be in your notes. If you guys want to read I'll send it out through the email, okay? The next war that was to be fought was, again, a Jewish man named Albert Einstein created the hydrogen bomb. And the war ended when we used his hydrogen bomb to bomb Japan. This is all prophetic and powerful, isn't it? And let me just read one more thing before I move off this. The UN, you guys may not realize this, but the United Nations is extremely anti-Semitic. America in the past has been one of the only ones that stood with them. And I'm concerned that Obama is gonna sabotage that. And that won't be for our benefit if he does, let me assure you. Well, let me read you this one more history, it's so neat. It says the UN had another problem. They had to figure out how to get the Jews back home. Once Israel was allowed to be a nation and once the Jews started trying to come in and they were, they, they were out there trying to get into the land. It says that England said that we're neutral and the Jews were not allowed to use English waters, remember? This caused the Jews to end up floating around on rafts for days, but the Jews were out there by the hundreds floating on these flotillas and England wouldn't help them. And so our president at that time, President Truman, he got angry, told General um, Eisenhower, you get those Jews in that land. And Eisenhower asked the president how, because if I try to use the English waterways, they won't let me. If I try to fly them in, then I'm going to be shot down or whatever. And the president told him, so you use some empty cargo planes, you fly them in. He said, I can't, they'll shoot us down. And the president and Eisenhower sat down to figure out how to fly them in through the north to, to not be shot down. They figure out a path. And it fulfilled one of the most remarkable prophecies in Bible history, or Bible prophecy, rather. Isaiah eleven, eleven through 14 says, the Lord said, I will fly them in on the shoulders of the Philistines and bring them into the land. And the Jews came back from 81 nations speaking 71 different languages. It's amazing. All right, so now God's dealing with Israel. Jeremiah 30, verse 3 if you guys want to do some over this next week read Jeremiah 30 and Ezekiel 36 and it will show you some amazing things about Israel all right if you want to know what's coming with Israel I'm about to tell you first off Jeremiah 30 verse 3 predicted that there would be the return of the Jews back to their homeland in the last days listen to this it predicts in Jeremiah 30 that the return of, of them to the land number two but that it would be in turmoil and not peace See, a lot of people said that they don't believe in Israel and all of that and it being of God. They say, well, if it was really God, then it would be in peace. But it's, that's not what the Bible says. Jeremiah predicted that the Jews would go back home, but it would be in turmoil until, of course, Jesus comes, we know. And it would ultimately lead to the days of Jacob's trouble. This is all in this passage. It would be in turmoil. There's gonna be a lot of war fighting turmoil, and it would ultimately lead to the days of Jacob's trouble, which we call the tribulation. But he said they'll be saved out of it. And listen to this. Jeremiah says in verse 24, in the latter days, in the last days, you'll understand this. I was shocked to read that in some of the Old Testament passages where Moses and others prophesied. They, really, they said in the latter days. Ezekiel talked about the latter days this will happen it's amazing so just remember that God said through Jeremiah it would be in turmoil not peace but they would come back to the land all right Ezekiel 36 16 this spells it out so clear listen to some of this real quick Israel is seen in the Bible as four things ready God speaks of them as a fig tree as an olive tree as a vine and as a wild grape When he speaks of Israel as a fig tree, he's speaking of them as an ordinary nation. Do you remember when Jesus said, look, you guys can look at the fig tree and you can tell the seasons are changing. When God speaks of Israel as an ordinary nation, he's speaking of them as a fig tree. But listen, the fig tree Israel is our timepiece. That's how we know God's calendar and what the Lord is doing. When we watch Israel, it's God's fig tree. It's his timepiece. You can tell when, like the fig tree, the, the, Jesus talked about how the leaves and the shoots coming out of them, you can tell there's going to be a change of season. And we can see with Israel, we can see the blood moons, and you can see how it's happening on the feast days. And you understand these are signs of things that are happening it's God's timepiece then the second thing God refers to Israel as an olive tree when he's speaking of them as a covenant nation which is interesting because Gentiles that have accepted Christ are engrafted into the olive tree he refers to Israel in a spiritual sense as a vine why because the vine will bear fruit for him and then whenever Israel was backslidden And away from God he referred to them as a wild grape or a bramble and look at the affectionate names and words that God spoke over the city of Jerusalem listen to this throughout the Bible the city of Jerusalem is referred to as the city of David the city of God the city of Judah of joy peace praise and righteousness the city of the great king the city of the Lord truth faithful the gate of my people the olive tree the holy city city of the holy mountain the throne of god and the city of zion that's how god sees jerusalem isn't that something but at ezekiel 36 i think this is in your notes follow me because this is amazing to me ezekiel saw that israel was going to be sinful and that god was going to have to scatter them if you read the first part of ezekiel 36 you see that israel was sinful god scattered them and he said that they embarrassed me among the nations this was a judgment but look at verse 21 through 23 this right here's the key god said i had concern for my holy name that's why god is revisiting israel regathering them back and doing what he's doing it's not because of a secular state. It's not because of Israel. It is because of his holy name that he is faithful even when we're not faithful. He's gonna fulfill his word even when we don't fulfill our word. Amen? He's concerned about his holy name. Because see, people look at Israel and see a secular nation, which it is. And they see, why would God bless them? Well, because of Abraham. And God's going to be faithful to that nation, even if they're not faithful to him. But of course, when Jesus comes, everything's going to be resolved, isn't it? But verse 24, now let's look. This is how God's going to systematically deal with Israel. If you don't get anything else tonight, get this, because to me, this is amazing, and this is end time prophecy, and you're about to see this fulfilled, okay? He said, number one, verse 24, I will regather them out of the countries of the world and bring them back to their homeland. This is probably even a greater miracle than the Exodus under Moses because for 2,000 years, they've been scattered to 81 nations speaking 71 different languages. And for them to be brought back into a nation and be able to speak Hebrew today as their national tongue and to survive, As an ethnically unique people and have that culture that you can't tell me that's not a miracle that there's no way that could happen except for God and God said as he regathered them that they would become a nation in a day and that's exactly what happened when Ben-Gurion signed that and said today I declare Israel as a sovereign nation. And all the people were dancing and rejoicing in the streets. And Ben-Gurion told them, said, listen, let them dance and rejoice, but get the military ready. Because today we party, tomorrow we fight. And that's exactly what happened. And, and the Arabs around them tried to kill him. And then God said, when I bring them back, remember the valley of dry bones that Ezekiel saw? That was the Holocaust. But God said, when I bring them back, what is Ezekiel 37.10? Those dry bones became an exceedingly great army. So you guys have pretty much seen that happen, the Aliyah, they're brought back, okay? This is the part that you're, that you're beginning to see happen right now. You ready? God said, after I bring them back, then I will sprinkle them with water. See, some people said, well, I think that God should have caused their eyes to be open and they accept the Messiah, then bring them back to Israel. Well, you're just going to have to take that up with God because God said right here that He was going to bring them back first. And this was how He's going to deal with them. You ready? See, them being scattered and them being hardened to the gospel, all of that, it is a judgment because they rejected their Messiah. It is. Okay, but God still loves them. Now, here's what He said He's going to do Number one, He said, I'm going to sprinkle them with water. This is not a deluge of water, okay? this is just a sprinkling of water the water speaks of the word of god you know what that represents everybody look this way god said i'm going to sprinkle you with water i'm not going to take like a water foam pulled out just a sprinkling you know the jewish people by and large have just listened strictly to their rabbis and their traditions that's really part of the problem is like for example i was talking to that one guy harold that my wife and i know that he's a jewish man wonderful man but i was talking to him about jesus And he made a statement, he's not a Christian, he made a statement, he said, well, the Bible says that there would be no other prophet like Moses. And I was like, that's not true. As a matter of fact, Moses said specifically that there would be a prophet that would arise like me. But see, he got that from his rabbi, I guarantee you. They listened too much to the, see, here's what God said though. God said, I'm gonna sprinkle him with water. Like no other time in history, the Jewish people right now are beginning to read the Bible for themselves. They're they're like, well, you know, I appreciate what my rabbi said, but I'm going to read it. And they're reading it for themselves. And because of that, they're coming to faith in Christ. This is a fulfillment of this prophecy. They're being sprinkled with the water of God's word. God's opening them up to where they're searching it out for themselves. And it's interesting because back in 1948 i was reading Derek prince's account because he lived there during the time he said in 1948 he tried to witness to a jewish man or just mentioned the name of jesus and the guy spit on the ground and walked off he said he could live and walk through the streets of israel for a whole year and not meet another christian but he said now in israel you're seeing christians pretty frequently what's happening they're being sprinkled with water and god said that after they've been sprinkled with water that verse 26 their hearts of stone will be replaced with a heart of flesh that's a new birth in Christ so what's happening is is that they're being sprinkled with water and now they're starting to come to faith in Christ and y'all hear me this is going to keep happening and it's going to keep building up into the 144,000 that are going to be sealed did y'all catch that they're beginning to be sprinkled with water, but their, their hearts of stone are now being replaced with a heart of flesh as more and more of them are coming to know Christ. And even to this day, there's a softening that's going on in them where they used to hate Jesus and used to hate Christians. Now there's more of a softening that's there. This will lead up, like I said, to the 144,000, the first three and a half years of Jacob's trouble. And he said... After I sprinkle with water and after I give them a heart of flesh, then I will put my spirit within them. And I believe that has to do with the being filled with the spirit or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, in verse 28, he said, you will dwell in the land and shall be my people. But see, that's not going to happen until Jesus physically returns. So this is how god said i'm going to systematically deal with them i will gather them from the nations then after that i will sprinkle them with water then after that i will soften their hearts and give them a heart of flesh then after that i will fill them with my spirit and ultimately jesus will come back to them and that's what god said but see here's what's going to happen there's going to be a lot of jewish people come to faith and it's going to lead up to that 144,000." but there's still going to be a rejection of Christ in Israel's government and in their leadership and amongst some of the Orthodox and Hasidic and others they're not going to accept him and because of that there's going to be an Antichrist that comes and they'll sign a peace treaty with him but all of these Christians are going to either be gone in the rapture or by and large most of them will be martyred and so when you're dealing now with the Antichrist coming in he, remember he sets himself up in that temple the last three and a half years of jacob's trouble is a real judgment because the leadership of israel still in their stubbornness is rejecting christ and so what happens god allows a false christ in and he will release his wrath against them does this make sense tonight i hope i'm explaining it well and ultimately, when Jesus actually comes, verse 28, Jesus comes and puts his feet on the Mount of Olives and it splits in two and he goes into Jerusalem to rule and reign. It says in Zechariah 12, 10, that they will look on him whom they pierced and they'll mourn. What that means is, do you guys remember the story of Joseph, how they threw him in the pit and he was in the prison and then ultimately the brothers were there when they saw him in Egypt and he was, Joseph was crying and he told everybody to leave and he revealed himself to his brother says i'm joseph and they wept openly because they realized you know we were so horrible to you and there was no reason to be like that and we were so rejecting to you it's a picture and type of what's going to happen when christ comes when jesus comes and the the remnant of the jewish people have been scattered and jesus has now come the battle of armageddon is over And Jesus sends out his angels to go gather the remnant, go gather those Jewish people back. They're going to come into Israel. They're going to see Jesus whom they pierced, and they're going to realize, hey, wait a second, he really is the Messiah, and they're going to mourn, and they're going to weep because they realize we've been so stubborn in rejecting you. So God is faithful even though they haven't been faithful. Amen? And he will fulfill his word and Isaiah 11 11 through 12 it predicted a second regathering see the first gathering whenever they were dispersed they were dispersed to Assyria and Babylon but it was limited and then they came back and rebuilt their temple we all know that but it was prophesied that they would be scattered to the nations and Isaiah speaks of a second regathering that's what's happening in our day now let me move to a close here about the warning of dividing God's land In Joel 3 it specifically warns not to divide God's land but what are we doing there's two reasons why people are messing with Israel number one is because these first world countries like uh, America and Britain and others A bottom line has to do with our pocketbooks because the Arabs have the oil fields. And first world countries need oil. And so they're going to try to appease the Arabs and the Arabs hate Israel. So that's a lot of the reason right there is money. But the second reason that people are so against Israel, it's clearly and specifically satanic. It is. It's an Antichrist spirit and an anti-Semitic spirit. It's demonic. But what have we been doing? Listen to all the political rhetoric. They call it partitioning the land, yeah, right. And they call it land for peace." And they try to make it sound so good when, in actual fact, what it is, stealing land from the Jewish people that it belongs to and trying to give it to their enemies. Britain allowed this with the Balfour Declaration. They turned on Israel, as I mentioned, and they went down. But listen, America's been doing the same thing. America has been trying to divide the land of Israel, going back to George Bush, Sr., and then Clinton did it. George W. Bush did it. And Obama mentioned trying to go back to their 67 borders or pre-67 borders. They've been trying to divide that land. It's satanic. And they use all this political rhetoric and try to make it sound good but God said not to divide his land, and if you do, it will bring judgment. Over half of the UN resolutions right now, the United Nations is very anti-Semitic. Over half of the UN resolutions pertain to Israel. Think about this for a minute, everybody, listen to me the united nations is representing all of the world leaders from all the nations okay over half of their resolutions pertain to israel is else not you cannot imagine anything more ridiculous or more inappropriate but yet this little bitty strip of land about the size of finland or wales with only six million people is constantly in the news any logical person has to ask why it is a spiritual battle as Satan wants to stop the coming of Christ for for Jesus to return the Bible says that the Jews that Israel has to become a nation they have to have Jerusalem they have to rebuild their temple and that all has to happen for Jesus to come and Satan knows it and he's trying to fight it tooth and nail and stop these prophecies from happening hoping that he can stop the coming of Christ Matthew 23, 37 through 39. This is a judgment for right now for Israel, but they're starting to come out of the judgment. Remember what Israel said when Jesus was there? They said, We have no ruler but Caesar. You know, that's what they said. Let his blood be on us. There were so many Jews that accepted Christ as their Savior. At that time, remember, like 5,000 that were in that early church. And this, you know, the, the church of Jesus Christ was, was only Jewish for the first about 15 years, only, until Peter went to Cornelius's house and then Paul went to the Gentiles and it spread. But So there was a lot of Jewish people that believed in Jesus and all of Jesus' disciples obviously um, believed in him and wrote what we have in the scriptures. But my point is that as a nation, as their leadership, the Sanhedrin, their leadership rejected him. And jesus said you will not see me again until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and what's going to happen is is israel does get sprinkled with water they get a new heart and all of that and as they go into the days of jacob's trouble god's going to allow that tribulation time to break down that nation to a place to where they're humble and they're broken before Him and they're ready to receive Him as their Messiah. So as I started this sermon, it's how I'm going to end it, the restoration of all things. The church has been since, probably since the 90s, has been really awakened to our Hebrew roots, have understood the feast days, have understood, um, for example, like, the tabernacle and the priesthood and how it pertains to us today and there's been a lot of revelation come and God's been in the process of restoring all this but what you got to understand The bible clearly says in zechariah 14 that when jesus comes to rule and reign in the millennial reign they're still going to be keeping the feasts going on in the world as a matter of fact it says that the nations will celebrate the feast known as Sukkot or tabernacles and those that don't come to jerusalem to celebrate the feast of tabernacles jesus is not going to let it rain on their land so they're going to have a famine and so some of the people out there and i know river of life is in this way but they're real rejecting toward things like feast days and stuff you better get used to it because you're going to be keeping it in the millennial reign amen and so i don't like the shofars and all that well you better get used to it because it's still going to come when jesus comes these things are not going away and some of the arguments have been well what about coming under the law one thing has nothing to do with the other let me explain what that means real quick coming under the law means that you believe that by doing these certain things you'll be saved Did everybody get that? That by doing this, by for example, let's just say keeping the feast or whatever, that by doing that, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to go to heaven because I'm doing that. That's what coming under the law means, that you believe that through your works, you're going to be saved. That has nothing to do with what we're even talking about here. But what happens is, is whenever you begin to understand these things, it brings blessings on you. As you keep the feast, it brings blessings. There's something about it. It's very powerful. And so our Hebrew roots. See, in my family, for example, on my father's side, there's quite a bit of Indian, Cherokee Indian and all of that. And whenever I came on my own to accept Christ, you have to understand that I renounce the gods of my ancestors. Okay? I renounce the shamanism. I renounce their idolatry. And I renounce their demon gods i honor them they're my ancestors i love them but i renounce their demon gods and i've come unto the living god so i renounce all these just just like ruth leaving moab ruth said look i'm leaving that behind naomi your god will be my god your people my people this is now your inheritance in christ is the root system of israel so we've got to renounce all these old pagan gods of our ancestors in our past whatever it is turn from them like ruth and basically saying the god of abraham is now my god okay and i'm engrafted into that olive tree and into that root system that goes back to abraham that's my inheritance and that's that's now my culture if i can say it that way and i believe that that is so powerful and so important because there's things in that culture that can be such a blessing to you. What would it be like if Christians around our nation right now could understand that if they would set aside the Sabbath with their family, for example, and they would spend time together as a family, they would bond as a family. And, you know, the, the head of the home could you know, put a prayer shawl over their, their wife and children and speak a blessing all, over them every Sabbath. You, you guys see what I'm saying? Take communion. I know that they use the, the juice and the challah and whatever, but to take communion together with a family and to have that head of the home bless them and that they grow up doing that, I promise you that families would be a lot stronger and the children, that blessing that's being spoken over them would impact their lives. So there's things back in your Hebrew roots that people would just humble themselves and learn. And let me tell you this too. If you don't deal with it in your generation, then your children will have to deal with it. You've got to make up your mind in my generation. I'm not going to leave this for my kids. I'm going to deal with these, uh, renouncing these old demon gods and breaking these generational curses and dealing with all this garbage. I'm not going to leave these problems for my kids. I'm going to deal with it in my generation. And so that my children can have blessings, generational blessings. So in the days to come, Look for God to continue to sprinkle Israel with water. You're going to hear more and more Jewish people come into the faith. But it is a major sign that we're in the very last days before the Lord comes, a major sign. God's going to continue to soften their hearts. And many, many more are going to come to know Jesus.